Uh, turn with me if you have your Bibles, and if you don't, please start bringing them to church. It's really important we learn to really value this precious Word of God to Joshua, uh, chapter 13. Uh, if you're not sure, it will come up on the screen. Joshua is one of the first books in the story of the Bible. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Um, so you'll find it there. Is it the fifth, sixth book? Um, we're going to, over these summer Sundays, recap something of our, what we've called our 2020 vision. Um, Phil Moore, who leads the Everyday team in, uh, in London, says, if you're a trustee or an elder and you're planning things, do they look like the kinds of things Jesus would go for? Are they beyond our means, utterly dependent on him? Plans full of faith, plans which believe the tide, tide of the kingdom, is rising. That's a really good provocative question to ask, isn't it? And that, that kind of idea of, of uh, kingdom discipleship, where everything we go for is utterly beyond us, is behind the kind of impossible, courageous, um, outrageous 2020 vision that we are beginning to run towards. At the start of this year, we shared the first couple of Sundays, um, really a vision that, that, that I guess initially I've been carrying in my heart from, from November 2015. Um, God whispered some things in my ear as I was flying back from another time in Romania about him multiply, about do, do we dare to believe him for him to multiply out amongst us um, greater than, than what we've seen already. As I was flying back at the end of November 2015, I felt God say, do you believe me, having given away £6,000 as a church this year, do you believe me for the year 2020 to be able to give away £60,000 into the kingdom? I felt God say, having prayed for 150 people outside of church this year, do you believe me for the year 2020 to pray for 10 times that many, for 1,500 people? I felt God whisper in my ear, having baptised 14 people this year, do you believe me in 2020 for the privilege of baptising, seeing saved and added 140 new people? Do you believe me for faith to plant another church? Do you believe me for faith to give away more of your finest leaders? The two may well be connected. Do you believe me that you may well be in that phase engaged in the next phase of the building project? And at the time, in November 2015, I wrote down some words about believing God that we might be a church that, that feeds and nourishes Crawley. We didn't know at the time that feed Crawley would become something so significant. We were just believing God and praying for him and asking for a genuine work amongst the poor and the poor in spirit. And I sat on the plane, I was weeping, writing things into my phone, saying, yes, God, I, I don't believe you for this stuff because I've never seen the like of this in my lifetime. These are the kinds of stories I read about in Revival as a boy, but I do believe you. Help me with my unbelief. Uh, and so we've, we felt as we began to talk about it as a team that we shouldn't, just, we shouldn't try and overmanage this stuff. Um, we felt God say, grow the team. We've been doing that. We've brought some wonderful elders into place in the last year. Uh, keep, continue to grow the culture of the kingdom in the church. You may be aware that's what we've been learning together. Uh, begin to pray it through. Start to share it with the team in the church family. That's what we've been doing uh, tonight we've got our last opportunity of the summer to pray together. We've got a prayer hour here. In fact, I think we may well be upstairs in the prayer room. It'd be good to, to, uh, to, to squeeze into there and, and pray. And just to begin to pick up some of these themes in prayer again. And so what does it look like for us? Over the next few weeks of the summer, we've got a chance to reflect on some of the key scripture passages um, that, that we carry in our heart connected with this, this crazy kingdom vision. Uh, and the chance to reflect again on some action responses in us, which mean as we move towards 2020, we're already kind of walking or running um, and, uh, uh, in, in, the, in this greater vision. 
back in January in our week of prayer and fasting, we were saying what are the kind of four main areas that, we're, that we wanted to get up and start walking and running in towards 2020 with this bigger vision, where it's my praying, my, my giving, we've, we've done some of that today and next week, uh, my serving, God, what gifts have you given me? Where can I serve in this local church? And, and my, uh, I guess to use a phrase, my intentional living. Um, how can I live more intentionally with, with the, to see the kingdom of God released and worked out in my, in my life? We're starting to see some of that. Even since January, it's been a thrill, really, to see an amazing change. That, that Love Crawley weekend, two Sundays ago, there were 200 of us out in the open air in the Memorial Gardens. And uh, you, you, well, you will be aware, because the majority of you were so deeply involved in, in that amazing weekend that we prayed, we invested time, we invested money, we worked hard, we shaped all of our intentions towards this deliberate kingdom purpose of reaching people outside with the good news of the gospel. And so what's happened? Well, we've, we feel like we've all been pulled forward a little bit, don't we? We feel like we've, we've all got a little taste of what it's like to live in this, this greater inheritance of the kingdom of God, this, this new kind of normal for us. This is what life in the kingdom is supposed to be like. And we had a little taste two weeks ago and in the weeks since. I mentioned the revival word. And if you're a new Christian or you're not yet a believer, you might not know what that word means, although we understand you know, from a dictionary what revival means. It's to awaken, to refresh Something And Christians talk about periods down through history where there have been amazing revival movements within local churches that have not just impacted local churches but have spilled out into the society and the community around, meaning that hundreds, even thousands, even hundreds of thousands, even millions of men and women and boys and girls have have begun to follow Jesus and have even transformed uh, their nations and their society. Um, And revival promise... So often we used to talk and pray about revival when I was a boy growing up in church and it can lead to a little bit of passivity sometimes if we're not careful. Um, Revival is a sovereign work of God. It's something God does. We can't make it happen. Um, But revival also requires an obedient, hungry response from God's people. Um, Anticipating sensing that God wants to do this kind of work through his spirit. And so the two come together, the sovereignty of God and the obedient response of God's people. Um, And I guess we're in in a season again where we're beginning to talk and pray about revival, but we're also beginning, as we've said, to take some intentional steps of obedience for us. And may the two come together in a wonderful move of God's spirit. I was praying this week about revival, the Lord reminded me of that, that mess that is still in Queen Square in the middle of Crawley. Have you been shopping in the middle of Crawley recently? They're, I don't know if you've noticed, if you've watched over the weeks and months, they're putting in these, these fountains. Uh, in a few weeks' time, it'll be very shiny and beautiful. Uh, and there'll be nice kind of paving. And, and, and every so often as you walk through with your kids, you'll find you're getting soaking wet because these fountains will squirt up everywhere. But, but actually, over the months, we've seen these, these deep excavations for the underground works, for the, the, the fountains to, to, uh, to be in place. And I, so I was praying this week, I was just overwhelmed with a sense of God's desire to flood the dry ground of the people of Crawley with his, with his lovely presence. And I've, I felt just in the natural as we look in our town centre and we, we say, God, when will it happen? But all we're aware of is the kind of excavation in our own lives and our own church. Um, but under the ground, I believe the Lord would say he's doing something in our prayer, in our hunger, in our obedience uh, that, that is as yet hidden, but one day soon will be seen above the surface in greater measure. And I, I just felt a real promise from God in that, that these are days where he's going to flood dry ground again with his, uh, 
with his spirit. I, I, I wonder even, and I just say this to you, and we prophesy in part, but I even had a thought in my head that is a little sign to us. It may well be that when, these, when this square finally opens, I, I just had a sense that they may have to close it for a little while because somehow the, 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 there's a little flood from the fountains. They can't switch them off. I don't know, something like that. I felt, I felt just a sense in my spirit there's going to be a little sign to us uh, that there's a flooding coming uh, and there's going to be something in the natural that we'll see. Just uh, let's keep our eyes on the news, hey, and see what, what happens. Um, so revival is all of God's initiative and this 2020 vision is all of God's initiative. And yet we are called as, as disciples of Jesus Christ to take hold of it in bold prayer and action. You can't just expect things to change. I, I won't change if I just wait for God to do something. I won't wake up on January the 1st, 2020 and suddenly be a kingdom superstar. Um, and uh, it's not going to happen. What I'm learning to do, what Love Crawley Weekend helped me to do was begin to take some baby steps, growing in confidence. Um, this mini-series that we're going to do through the summer is another opportunity to prophetically kind of prompt us forward. I hope you're catching my heart on that already this morning. I can see that you are. Anyway, uh, I'm preaching like a good, uh, good Pentecostal this morning. I mentioned my passage a while ago and haven't gone anywhere near it. So let's look at it now. Uh, we love our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, by the way. We, we've got lots to learn from them. That wasn't a dig at any of them. Um, Joshua 13.1, when Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, these encouraging words, you are now very old. <laughs> there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains. And then, if you're reading in your Bibles, we don't have it on the screen, but just goes on through the, the next uh, chapter uh, or two, these allotments uh, of land, these parts of land that are still to be taken. Uh, you may not know about Joshua. You may not know the story. We jump right into the middle of here. Joshua is an older man now, as you can tell from this passage. He'd first appeared in God's big story in Exodus 17, Moses had uh, taken the people out of slavery in Egypt, God's people. They were fighting, I think it was the Amalekites, I can't remember which uh, kites they were fighting, um, but some of them. And uh, you may recall, if you know your, your, your Sunday school stories, um, that Joshua was the young man that Moses set in charge of the army while he stood with his arms being held up. And when Moses had his arms aloft, the army prevailed. When Moses tired and his arms came down, the army came under pressure. Joshua was the one that commanded as a young man the, the armies of the Lord that, that day. That's where we first find him. We find him in, uh, often just hanging around Moses as the kind of uh, the, the, the young disciple. Wherever Moses goes, Joshua's there. He's with Moses at the tent of meeting. He's the only one that gets to draw near uh, to some of the amazing things that Moses does with the Lord. Uh, and then, of course, we find in Numbers 13, as they're, as they're coming out of Egypt, uh, beginning to think about going into the land that God has promised his people, and, and Moses sends the spies into the land. Joshua and Caleb are the only two spies as young men that go in and come out saying, hey, we can surely do this in the Lord's name. The rest of the spies are overwhelmed with fear and inadequacy and aware of the size of the task and the giants that already live there. And, uh, and uh, oh gosh, we can be so aware of the size of the task, can't we? And so aware of the giants that are in front of us. And yet these young men, Joshua and Caleb, say we can surely take this land. That's where we find uh, Joshua early on. And then, of course, because of the judgment of God on that generation that said, no, we're not going to take hold of your promise. We're going to try and do life our own way. We won't go into the land. God said, no, you surely won't go into the land until this generation have passed away. And so they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. 
Numbers 27, Moses uh, is now getting old. He, he, Moses was old to start with, uh, but he, he lays hands on Joshua in front of the people, just recognising that he's his successor. And then, of course, we read over into, into Joshua and the story, Joshua 1. Joshua takes the people. Moses is dead now. He takes the people over the River Jordan. They've waited 40 years for this moment. They've been so close to it 40 years before, but they hadn't believed God. They didn't have the courage to take him at his word. Now Joshua takes them across the river. Wow, it opens up, just like the Red Sea had 40 years before for Moses. Surely God's on this, and on this man, and on this people, and in this promise. Here's a sign to them. And they go in, and they begin to fight, and, fought, uh, and then there's years of fighting and battling. Maybe you know Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. Perhaps you know the song. Uh, well, he really did, and the walls came tumbling down, and battle after battle after battle once they crossed into the promised land, taking territory that God had said you'll surely take. And then we find here, Joshua 13.1, Joshua old and well advanced in years, surely deserving a little bit of a retirement plan, a round of golf, um, a pen from Michael Parkinson. I don't know how it works. Uh, but the Lord says to him, yeah, you're very old, but there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. Um, I'm getting carried away with some, some things in the text this morning. I don't think I'm going to get through the sermon I've got in front of me, but we'll see where we go. Maybe I'll pick up some at the prayer meeting tonight. Um, not long after this, Joshua 24, I think, he, he dies. He's he, at the ripe old age of 110. Wouldn't you love to be used by God? Wouldn't you love to have a story like Joshua from being a boy called by God to going to be with the Lord at 110, 110 years and years of faithful service. God bless you, those of you who are retired and even well into your retirement years. We, we honour you. I'm looking here again. We can pick on you so often, but, but to Alan and Rachel and, and Jack particularly, just your faithfulness, your desire to keep running after the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jack, you've, you've got another 14 years, my friend, I'm afraid, if you're going to get to Joshua. <laughs> I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> Listen, w- one thing we can learn from this story this morning is that, that God can and will use us if we respond obediently to him, whether we're, whether we're young and inexperienced, um, whether we feel we're not ready, whether we feel we're afraid. Or God can use us when we offer ourselves to him obediently if we're old, if we've seen it all before, if we've been around a block, if we know a thing or two, if we need a nap in the afternoon. God can use us at either end of the spectrum. So here's this older man. He thought he'd finished what Moses had started. He'd come out of the promised land. He'd gone through the wilderness. He'd come in, uh, out of Egypt, through the wilderness, into the promised land. And, and yet, the Lord says, but there is still much to be taken. That's the emphasis of the whole big story of the Bible. Ultimately, it's pointing towards the rule and reign of Jesus Christ that we find over into the New Testament where the promise of the Bible is that this this kingdom plan of God will spread and grow and fill the earth. And at that point, Jesus will return. That's been what the Bible teaches us from the Garden of Eden in Genesis at the very beginning where God said to Adam and Eve, multiply, fill the earth with men and women in in your likeness, made for a relationship with God. That's what it's been like from the very start, right through even with the distortion of sin coming into the world where God called Abraham and said, you come out of your father's house and your father's pagan ways and I'm going to build a family line from you that will spread and grow and fill the earth that will be more numerous than the stars in the sky or the sand on the shore. Joshua was a part of that. He was in line. We are in line with that promise as those who are now in Jesus Christ. 
And so Joshua 1, as a young man, he's encouraged to conquer the land. He's a young leader. He's got a new generation behind him. He's got a river to cross. He's got a land to inherit. Five times he's told, be strong and courageous. Joshua 13, he's an older man, but there's still land to take. The Lord comes and tells him so as an older man to remind him, hey, your mission is not yet complete. I sense the Lord saying that to this this morning. Another way, in Joshua 1, as a young man, God just tells him, go in and take the land. In Joshua 13, as an older man, he says, there's land still to be taken, and he writes him a list. I find as I'm getting older, I have to write a list. I, 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 I can't remember the thing. I used to just remember what I had to do in my day. And now, as I, I'm in my 40s now. If I have a day off and I've got a list of jobs to do, I have to write them down and tick them off. Otherwise, I get through the day and think, what was I, what was I supposed to be doing today? I, I, my life is determined by lists now, but I'm encouraged that for Joshua, it was the same, and the Lord provided him with a list. That, that's good news. There are very specific areas of land laid out, specific allotments of land that, that, that Joshua is told to take. Why did this passage make the cut for our kind of 2020 prophetic passages that we're going to preach? Well, I think because it speaks so much to our hearts, as we've been finding already, to us as a church, to us as a movement, I think, even within New Frontiers. As I said just now, I, I, believe it or not, um, although Alan Hockley and I are wearing the same shirts this morning, Alan, just look at, look at your shirt there. We've got the same shirts on. Some things just come around again, don't they? Um, you're down with the kids, Alan. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a good thing my two older ones aren't here. They'd be so embarrassed. Um, I think these passages speak to us. I'm a, I'm a 40-something man. I, I was involved in, in leading in our first church plant 21 years ago now. Uh, my oldest son's 21 now. It's a long time ago. Uh, I'm, I'm part of what now is most definitely a second-generation movement uh, with us as New Frontiers. We've we responded to amazing promises from God in the, what we call the, the charismatic renewal of the 1970s, where, which meant that all kinds of churches that have become like ours now emerged. Men and women who began to get filled with the Holy Spirit again, began to look at the, the New Testament church of the Bible and say, hey, wow, the traditional denominational church that we are a part of and we're seeing is so far removed from this amazing model of church life that impacts the community that we see in the pages of the Scripture and so full of the life of the Spirit across the country through the mid-late 70s. So many little groups came out of traditional established churches and began what we called house churches. Our, our church emerged from that, that kind of group almost 40 years ago now, a small group of, of, uh, of mainly young people, I guess, who came out of a traditional church in Crawley with the call of God to lay New Testament church foundations with the expectation of seeing the town changed and ultimately the nation and the nations changed. Again, I'm picking on you a lot this morning, but Alan and Rachel were, the, were in that group and I think a young Dave and Ali at kind of 12, 13, 14, 15, something like that, um, almost 40 years ago now. Sorry to, to obviously you never know Ali was anywhere near that age. Um, although if you look closely at Dave, you know, probably the signs are there. Um, <laughs> I, I, was a, I was a young boy in, in that movement, not hearing Crawley at the time, but growing up as my parents came out of traditional church, came down south to plant what is now King's Church Horsham, just down the road where I grew up. I, I, I grew up in this, this renewal movement, became a church planter and a pioneer, and later began to get involved in leading more so-called established churches. And here we all are, 40 years or so later, scratching our balding heads <laughs> Wondering how we got so much older, how come these shirts are still in fashion <laughs> and skinny jeans came back after the 80s, I don't know. 
Like Joshua, we were a generation who believed God faithfully for his promise. Alan and Rachel, if you ask them the stories, and others who've been around since those early days will know we've persevered through some battles. There have been some internal and external battles. We've had our times walking through some wilderness periods. Um, we've wandered around a bit. We've made some wrong turns, some wrong choices. We've failed to take hold of God at times when he was pleading with us to believe him and take him at his word. We've done some things well as well. We've had some joys and some breakthroughs. We've got more established. We've bought buildings as churches like ours have with buildings like this. We've shaped our doctrines. We've understood the scriptures more clearly. We've got a clearer grasp of our call and our mission than we've ever had before. We've, we've raised some kids. We've got a new generation. We've released some other leaders. We've spread out a bit in all kinds of ways. But there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. Still so much that remains for us to do, And I think the pull of this 2020 vision is that it prevents us from settling into middle age spread as a people and as a church and as a movement with the job only partly done. There are still very large areas of land to be taken over. Um, the danger for second generation church movements. In fact, we're, we're near to being a third generation church movement. If, if you read your church history, most second generation church pioneering movements, having started well, begin to grow comfortable, begin to settle. In the end, begin to stagnate. They lose their vision. They dial down on the mission. They get preoccupied with settling and safety first and keeping what we have and lose their confidence in hearing God clearly, lose their ability to take risks and, and gamble it all on the amazing promise of God. Joshua could have said here, we've, we've done enough, but instead he, the promise of God stirred something in him again and up he and guys like Caleb went again with the promise of God. So this 2020 vision stuff that we're just going to talk through over the summer, I hope lifts our heads again to remind us we've only just begun. We've only just started with God's, the first stage of God's amazing plan for the spread and the growth of his kingdom. We're, we're, we are supremely grateful for all that the Lord has done down through the years. Um, it was wonderful to be with some older faces this week. Lots of younger ones as well at this uh, New Frontiers UK Pastors gathering, some friends from many years ago who've, who've been so faithfully serving. We could have spent all day and all night sharing old stories of incredible breakthrough and provision. We are so profoundly grateful to God for what he's done. We're so grateful for what he's doing now, and it seems to be a greater measure. But it simply isn't enough. There is more. There's still land to be taken. We've said so many times in this room as we've talked and prayed, the 100,000 plus within five minutes drive of this building who don't know Jesus, never mind the literally hundreds and hundreds of cities that are within just a few hours of our airport where they don't mostly have New Testament expressions of church and a living hope of the gospel amongst them. So this is a really simple message today. It's not a passage that I am carefully unpacking, but I trust that we're sensing the Lord awaken us in our generation, just as he initially did with that happy young crowd who came out of their traditional church 40 or so years ago, like Abraham, leaving his father's house behind to a destination they didn't yet know, just trusting God. We're, we're trusting this 2020 vision will wake us up again with the same call. There are large areas of land still to be taken. We haven't finished the job. There's a bigger promise. We cannot rest. We must not just build cosy churches. 
It's time to continue fighting, not with one another. No, no, we love one another, not with the world. We love the world. Love Crawley was all about that, but fighting for the kingdom promises. It takes vital obedience from us. I don't think God's offended when we ask for more. I think he is offended when we settle for less than the promise of his son for the kingdom of God. So that's the point we're at. I think we said around the time of appointing our elders last November, we feel like uh, we feel like we got there, and then we realise, oh, we're just at base camp. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, okay. And then you're looking up a mountain, and think, okay, here we go again. We're trusting again. We're trusting God again. We're risking it all again for the sake of obedience to the call. And even the detail which follows, and I just take oh, maybe five, ten minutes, and then we'll pray together. Um, forget the notes. The details that follows in uh, in uh, Joshua 13. This is real land that is um, set out for Joshua on his list. These are real places. Uh, At that point, they were lived in by other people, presumably people who didn't want to move out of their homes and their land and their fields and their vineyards. Um, That is to say, our progress into the promises of God doesn't just open up. It's not easy. Um, It requires, I think Hebrews 6.13 says, uh, don't become lazy. It requires faith and patience to inherit the promises of, of God. We're to imitate those who've gone before us. You get to Hebrews 11, you get this great crowd of witnesses who, who've run faithfully with the promises of God and kept themselves righteous in their generation. Hebrews 6 tells us, hey, imitate them, uh, and with faith and patience, you too will inherit the promises of God in your generation. But it's really difficult when we're looking at promises that we don't yet have, that we don't yet see fully, that are not yet in our hands, that are not just dropped onto our plate. And that's where faith and patience come in. I was looking in Romans 4 this morning, again, speaking of Abraham. Um, and uh, in, Abraham, uh, in Abraham's story, he was given a promise that he'd be the father of a multitude. And yet Abraham and his wife were not able to have children and they were now old. Uh, and Abraham and his wife were too old to naturally have children. Romans 4.17 speaks about a God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So I say that again. God gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. It goes on with the story of Abraham. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. The God who gives life to the dead. God who calls things that are not as though they were. This isn't kind of make-believe, pretend stuff. Um, we're not in kind of Walt Disney world. Um, you can probably go to Florida and see that. But we, we do have a responsibility as obedient believers that have seen something in the promise of God and trust him for it to begin to call into life promises that don't yet fully exist, but about which God has made sure and certain statements. It's not pretense or make-believe to believe something that is not yet visible, not yet mature, not yet fully fruitful, if it is something about which God has made promises already. If it is, then we, we need to inherit it like Abraham did through faith and patience and obedience. We keep our minds straight, even when we don't see it, even when the enemy's whispering, and all the facts in front of us seem to say, it ain't going to happen, you're never going to get there. Abraham and Sarah looking at their bodies, realising we're as good as dead, and yet not wavering in unbelief, not failing to trust God for the promise that he's spoken about. And so we don't waver, we don't weaken in faith, we don't miss that which God has said we will possess. And so I'm finding in my prayer life, maybe we'll pray some tonight, that, that declarations in prayer help us. Again, if they're based on my own presumption, then they are arrogant, presumptuous declarations. They're just full of wind and air, and they will float away. 
But if they're about things uh, that are based on the promise of God, even though we don't yet fully see, then I think we can have boldness and courage in praying that way. In fact, I, the more I think about it, the more I realise we, we, we're called to pray that way all the time. We so often say the Lord's Prayer. Kids are taught it still at school. What, that's a declarative prayer about something we don't yet fully see. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on the earth as it is in heaven. It, what, what else is that other than a declarative prayer for a promise that is both now but not yet? And, and so we're called to pray that prayer. Other kingdom prayers. We're praying and believing, God, you've said this tree will bear good fruit in its season, more fruit than we've seen before. We're praying, God, you've said we'll be confident and fruitful fishers of men, so we declare that over ourselves. You've said we'll be fruitful labourers of a heavy and full and fruitful harvest, so we're going to declare that and pray that together. It's based on your promises in the scripture and your specific prophetic promises to us in our generation. Lord, you've said we'll have a miraculous catch of fish in this church and in this town, and so we're going to declare it and believe it and act on it until we see it, until we feel the weight of it in the nets. Lord, you've said we'll be a well-watered garden. You've said we'll rebuild the ancient cities. You could go on and on for the next hour uh, saying some of these amazing kingdom declarations. We've said, Lord, we're going to live, we're going to trust you for your goodness and your provision. That's part of what our giving is about this week and next week. We're trusting God, this apostolic mission we're a part of, we'll, we'll be able to go forward. Can it do that in our own strength? I, I look at us as a church, hey, we're, we're fairly weak. I look at new ground as a movement. We're not the biggest or the strongest. We don't have loads of resources. Oh, we're trusting the God who said, I will provide for the spread and growth of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. We're trusting God to continue to feed Crawley through us. We're trusting him to increase our local giving, our serving in this local church. We're trusting him. We'll be able to pay our bills, run our building, provide for the kingdom ministries he's called us to as a local church as we serve in the town. We're we're, we're declaring together and believing, God, we will mature in the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit amongst us. We will truly be a charismatic church and a church that loves one another and expresses the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to declare together we really will be effective in making disciples of people from every kind of background and some of those disciples will go into nations with the gospel. We're going to see worshippers from every tribe and tongue and language group. These are some of the declarations we can make. Here's one I'm praying at the moment after Love Crawley. Lord, I'm declaring and believing you, though I don't yet see it in my weakness, that I will continue to expect daily, powerful, divine appointments to lead people to Jesus, to heal the sick, to break addictions, to release captives, just to release your blessing wherever we go. These are some declarations we can give an amen of agreement to, aren't they? These are based on the allotments of land that are ours, that we don't yet fully possess, that I think we may have to fight for in prayer and in action. They've been promised to his church, but we don't yet see them together expressed fully amongst us or in our individual lives. But they're promises through which, through faith and patience, we will inherit. Joshua just put one foot in front of the other, kept trusting God, kept going. Sometimes it's a bit like that. Sometimes we have exciting, accelerant moments like the Love Crawley Weekend where we all, way take 100 metres forward. Sometimes it's like the First World War where you know, it's, it's trench stuff, it's inch by inch. Either way, believers in Jesus, faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Just keep going. Head up. Press on. Oh, do you know, I don't know where to go now. Let me finish with some specific promises. Um, if we were to write, if you were to read through Joshua 13 tonight, you might get a little bit bored if I can say that about the living word of God because these are places 
in a desert land that we don't know much about, if we were to write our own allotments of land, uh, prophetically here, I wonder what specific things they'd say. Let me just finish with these and we'll stand and pray. One of the things that God's called us to inherit through faith and patience is to truly um, evolve into a diverse church. That's so much more than just having people from different skin colours, different languages, from in and around Crawley. Diverse in so many other ways. Um, Expecting and believing God for much, much more kingdom breakthrough amongst the poor, the poor in spirit, um, those who've not been educated well. We had an amazing day at the academy on Friday with Tom Head, who was looking specifically at a church that reaches the working classes. Whether you want to use that kind of language, whether that's helpful or not today, I, I don't know. But God's got an amazing heart for those who haven't been to university who, 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 uh, and who uh, would, would count themselves as, as different from the kind of average, middle-class, uh, educated um, church. Part of our diversity is about reaching people from all kinds of backgrounds. Do you know what? If you're well-educated and, and God's blessed you with some money, we want to reach you with the gospel as well. You're, both are so important. It's not about one or the other. All are called into this diverse church. That's why it's diverse. It wouldn't be otherwise. Um, the diversity means also there's room for the weak and the sick alongside those that we're celebrating healing miracles in. We believe very strongly the Lord's spoken to us about being a diverse church where those with mental health struggles and learning difficulties and are vulnerable have a special call, young or old, to be a part of this community. We've got lots to learn, lots to walk into with faith and patience, but we are believing God for something very unique and special and diverse in that regard. Old, young, single, God bless you with children or, 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 or you don't have children. Those following Jesus uh, who experience same-sex attraction. That this, that there's all kinds of room in this church for people that want to find out more uh, about Jesus. All of this is part of our next allotment phase in being a diverse church here in Crawley. Feeding Crawley is a part of our allotment. That would be in our passage And we're going to feed Crawley whether we do so in days of plenty like we have now with the favour of man and supermarkets and local authorities and the police and people all happy with us. We'll feed Crawley in these happy sunny days and we'll feed Crawley if we ever hit a famine season where no one wants to partner with us and where we just continue to trust God for the resources we need to bless those he's put around us. Like some of those Old Testament stories where the widow would use her last drop of oil, her last loaf of bread out of our own resources, trusting that God will multiply and feed and bless. This is part of the net and the inheritance that God has called us to. Specifically too, in our allotment, there are some numbers that have been allotted for us. I mentioned them at the the start, the 140 baptisms in the year. I can't even say that without my voice breaking. Uh, I'm so nervous and excited about it. Um, 1,500 prayed for outside of the church in that year. There's some specific numbers God's given to us. Numbers can be unhelpful and helpful. I hope in this case they're helpful numbers. Some specific financial allotments. Uh, We want to give away a chunk of money and be more generous than we've ever been able to be before. Physically, there are some places the Lord has called us to fight for in prayer and action, in serving, in finance. I talked earlier about clues, the Romanian churches. They are fighting hard now to get established in the land. Cluj is not a done work. There is much still to be done. Sending Flavius was just the beginning. We're believing God for a, a, a fruitful, vibrant church full of students that will reach out all over Romania, even into the Hungarian communities, perhaps over the border one day. 
we're playing our part as a church in seeing living New Testament churches full of the life of the Spirit planted into and established in, into Italy, all across Italy. We're, we're continuing to play our part in our allotment in serving in the growth of the kingdom into Zambia. Um, it seems too, through friendship and connection, our, our heart for Holland is growing, as is because one of our kids is going there, but with our relationship with Hank as well. And certainly doors are opening for a work of the Lord into Brazil. Um, new ground are sending Kaz and I and Daniel and Giovanna to Brazil. Dave and the team have asked us to go at the start of October just to begin to build some bridges of relationship with churches that are looking to us um, for support and growth. These are some of the allotments, perhaps, that the Lord is opening up for us. And then, of course, finally, we're in this town with an airport. Just been imagining this week, what does revival look like in a church where God has given them an airport? I think that looks quite distinctive, doesn't it? Oh, Lord Jesus. There was a, a guy, one of the elders in the Bracknell Church, I don't know him at all, haven't seen that church for years and years, came up to uh, Chris uh, Johnston and I on Wednesday uh, at this prayer day and began to prophesy over us. He said, are you from Crawley? I've got a word from you about the airport. You're a hub church, he said, uh, like an Antioch church base. You're going to identify, send, and release leaders into cities and nations. And you're going to have people from all kinds of nations and backgrounds coming to you, making you a very diverse church. And he said, I see too even people coming from the airport, like they used to, if you remember these old stories, sorry, uh, in Toronto with the airport church there. People will fly to Toronto and say, I need to go to church. Can I find a church? He said, people are going to come to you in that way. The airport is going to be very significant to you. He said, you may even be doing things in the airport chapel prayer room, uh, don't manufacture it, wait for the Lord to open it up, you'll know when it's time. Chris and I were kind of, oh, do you know, I, literally five minutes before he brought that word, I'd just written down in my notes for Sunday that I was thinking about, imagine what revival looks like in a town with an airport, uh, literally before Ben from Bracknell came over and prophesied that. Imagine what cities we'll reach, imagine what people we'll send. Well, we've just had a small taste, a small sign so far. So, why don't we stand together? Thank you for being patient with me as I've meandered. I said to Deb and uh, Ben at the back, she said, have you got any slides for this morning? I said, I only have one. It's one of those mornings where it could be a real prophetic prov provocation or I could meander my way through 40 minutes. Um, I hope it was the first and not the latter. Forgive me if there's been some me meandering, but I hope it's been prophetic meandering. May, may we just lift our hands before the Lord as a sign of our openness to him, if indeed you are open to him. If you're not, you're so happy to listen. Lord, we thank you for these specific kingdom allotments you are speaking to us about and reminding us not to let up on. We thank you, Lord, you call us. Lord, we, we don't even know where to start on that, but then you remind us, yeah, just simple discipleship, my serving, my money, my proclamation of the gospel, my healing the sick. Lord, thank you, you're extending our boundaries locally and beyond. Lord, caring for the poor. God, thank you, you're doing that already. And yet you pull us with this, this dream of what we're talking about for 2020. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you take a middle-aged church like us with all our imperfections and you alert us again to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, we recognise your voice. We say yes to your big promises that remain. God, give us grace to keep going, not just to get pumped up on faith, but through faith and patience to continue full of your love full of your compassion, full of your spirit, not wearing ourselves out and wearying ourselves as we've heard this morning, but just refreshed uh, by your lovely goodness. 
uh, to walk forward. Lord, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Lord, we thank you again for young people that are following you passionately here. We thank you for teenagers that are choosing to live uh, uh, differently uh, from their generation instead of shining like stars in their schools, their colleges, their universities. We thank you for young men and women in their 20s, either single or starting families, Lord, that are choosing to honour you, Lord, that are choosing to live here and invest in the kingdom when they could go other places where it would be a bit cheaper to live. But you've called them, Lord. We thank you so much. Lord, what a blessing they are. We honour them. We thank you for those who've come from other nations to serve with us and are just working so hard through shifts and getting jobs sorted and houses and family. Lord, going through hardships for the first year or so just so they can get established amongst us. Lord, we bless them. God, will you cause that time just to come to an end in order that they may begin to uh, reap uh, what they've already started to sow, Lord Jesus. Will you bless those that are working hard just to get established now? We think of some of our Brazilian friends and Roberto and Anna from Italy just working so hard to get established and rooted here. Open it up for them, Lord, in order that they may begin to run with the, the promise that they sense they're carrying on their hearts as they've come here to Crawley. And we pray too, Lord, for those of us that are middle-aged and those of us that are into retirement. Oh God, we pray for a new fire of the gospel. May we not discount. Lord, we put down every disappointment. Lord, every mistake we're so painfully aware of. But Lord Jesus, we tell you, we want to be like Joshua and Caleb and run forward in the promises of God. Shape it. Release faith in us. Lord, keep us deliberate in prayer and action. Don't allow us to settle through fear or inadequacy or even laziness. But may we inherit these amazing promises of God in our day, in our time. Make them known amongst us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen.